If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Soap is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I am really excited to be here today with another installment of Sober is Dope. Uh, And I just wanna tell everyone out there that I love you all and I appreciate each and every one of you for trying. Whether you're in addiction and you're listening because you wanna change your life, whether you're listening for a family, a friend or a loved one because they're struggling and you're trying to figure out, hey, how can I help this person? If you're someone that's in recovery and kind of like, look, I got, I need that daily dose of inspiration and motivation. I hear you. I'm here and I appreciate you. And if you're a person that is in active addiction and really going through it and just don't know what to do, you're in the right place. Because honestly, I started Sober's Dope because I wanted to be there to speak the same language as someone going through the darkness. Because I know that feeling when someone's trying to tell you about sobriety or someone's trying to tell you about your life and you like, you do not know what I'm going through, right? I, I know what you're going through. I know what it is. I know what it feels like to give up. I know what it feels like to feel like, you know, you just want to die. And I know what it feels like to be like, I'm not worthy. And I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed and I'm broken and I done, I made too many mistakes and I'm just, uh, uh, I'm corrupt. You know, I corrupted the innocence in myself and I, I'm in this perpetual dark place and I'm spiraling out of control and I'm going down that rabbit hole and I don't know what to do anymore. I get it, you know? So the reason why I started Sober is Dope I wanted to dig, I wanted to dig deep within myself and pull out kind of like this exploration of why, why was I drinking like that? What the hell was I like? What, why did I almost kill myself? Why did I go on two to three or four year binges without any regards for anyone around me? Why did it almost take a near-death event and me just giving up just to even have an inkling of hope to try to get clean and sober? Like, why did I do everything? Why was my life in that dark place? And even if it's a small period, for most of us, it could be this really small period of time, like that really dark six months where you just went off the deep end. Some of us develop addictions later in life. You could be going through life normally. And as again, I, I try to explain the science on sobers, though. A lot of us are normal until we're not. 
until you know you get into a bad fight you hit your head something changes you go through uh some type of breakup or some type of loss or someone dies and you go through some type of depression our brain changes based on our external environments and our internal environments and what i mean by that is you're in a toxic external environment in a relationship with another person and for some reason you're really in love and that person breaks up with you or cheats on you or do you dirty or try to divorce you or have sex with your family member or your best friend or whatever the scenario is or that loved one that parent or that person that's really close to you dies each one of these events in our life you know losing a job uh you know, losing a best friend, having an argument, falling out of a relationship, losing a connection with a family member, anything like that, all, all manifests itself as grief, grief, loss, despair, cha it changes the brain, you know, and these are those underlying themes that I speak about a lot. You may hear it, right? But you can hear it a thousand times and don't really get it because it may not apply to you at this moment, but it can apply to you tomorrow. Right. You don't know what lies tomorrow. We, you know, right now we could wake you normal. You could wake up tomorrow, be the hardest day of your life. And then you default back to drinking, you default back to drugging and you default back to pain and internalizing your pain. And um, so that's my why this podcast was so we could talk about these subjects in a safe space and be like, yo, I get it. Like this is life and death. And when you play games with it, you either die or you just totally destroy every aspect of who you are. I'll tell you guys a quick story. I was on the J train at Suffolk Boulevard yesterday, coming home from work. And I saw the most beautiful young lady, man. This, this girl, she was so beautiful, man. I'm talking about she looked like she was a straight up movie star. And I I'm talking about I haven't seen someone that whacked out on drugs in a very long time. She was smoking cigarettes on the train station. She left her lighter. I had to be like, you left your lighter, you know, um, and it's just tough because in New York, you see 50 people like this in a day. It's not like the isolated incidents where you see this one person and you have the opportunity to help them it's like you see her then you get on a train there's four other people but the thing is with her i don't know what it was man it was just like the most beautiful i haven't seen anyone just that type of raw beauty you know she was white she must have been between the ages of i would give her 23 to maybe 27 and i'm talking about just the most beautiful person that i mean I, I vowed that if i saw her again i would try to do and she was so out of it i couldn't even help i mean it would have been like i didn't know, even know what to do the cops couldn't do anything um and i say that to say how do someone so innocent someone that appears to be just so fragile and so beautiful and just just get caught up in such a dark place to where they're homeless and they then you know that you just they're struggling and they're just picking cigarettes up it's just a darkness to this thing and like 
you know, you have this thing with the next generation, especially being a New Yorker. You have like this m migration, like this, like, um, I'm not a really a migration. Uh, yeah, I could say it's, I guess it's a migration. It's like people migrate to New York. Young people migrate to New York to party, to have freedom, to be in a, you know, hot place, hot spots. Like, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn guy, right? So, like, I can't, part of Sober's dope story was, you know, I was doing real estate. I had the brownstone. All the kids from traveling from different states, they'll come chill. You know, we'll get high and we'll get, you know, we'll drink and we'll party. And we was just young doing our thing. But I always try to explain to people that there's an origin story there's a story where there's a person with a dream prior to being addicted where they was on a mission and they made a decision and they you know life happens and at the tail end of that decision they wind up either homeless destitute broken high strung out messed up right so for this girl i'm imagining okay um, she doesn't, she didn't seem to be a native New Yorker, right? You could kind of tell when someone's a New Yorker or someone just kind of came here. Um, and I guess wherever you are, you could tell that if I go to Florida, people's going to be like, that's a New York guy. It's nothing Floridian about him, right? So I'm looking at this girl and I'm thinking, okay, I could kind of give you her, her scenario, her scenario and that's if she identifies that way, but she just seemed like a street, you know, that I'm just saying her for conversational purposes. This girl probably five to six years ago decided I'm going to New York. I may be going there to do some type of maybe it's acting, maybe it's theater, maybe it's to chill out with some friends, maybe it's to discover myself, maybe it's to party, right? So she comes down to New York, probably goes to a place like Brooklyn or something like that, or now New York is expanding on how all of the hot spots are expanding, but the real hot place is Brooklyn, so she probably goes to Brooklyn. There's a really crazy party scene. I mean, it started all the way back, like in 2000, but was that 2005 and 2007 when I first hit Brooklyn, that's the beginning of when this the kind of like gentrification and influx of just people and starting to come in and it's being cool. I was part of that whole thing. The whole soap is dope thing. I had the brownstones. I was the real estate kid. I was the party kid. So I seen this play out. I seen people come in with good intentions. They're students or whatever. They party the party life gets them the drugs and alcohol and the cocaine trigger warning you know these kids like to do the jameson shot with the pbr and the coke that's the cocktail jameson pbr cocaine trigger warning most disgusting shit on the planet i hate that even thinking back it was like gross like damn man i remember when the little homies around me would do that and i see people and i'm like yo these like that's the thing like you got the beer you got the shot then you go do the line the problem is, and this I, I tell this story to connect it back to every single one of you that deals with addiction, right? The it all starts with good intentions. It all starts with a party. It all starts with the concept of having fun, right? Then it can escalate to extremes, like I'm. Well, I'm in this environment. I'm partying every day, three, six, five, you know, but you're young, you can bounce back, you're going through it. So now you have this thing where 
you're, you're waking up and it's like, yo, what are we doing today? We're going back to the club. What are we doing today? We're getting bottles or everyone's coming over, right? But here's the rub. There's a percentage of each of that in every kind of like group that I'm explaining, every type of person I'm explaining, you know, that's the party person that's doing it and just out there expressing themselves and having fun. If you take a sample size of, let's just say, a hundred people that fits that kind of criteria, we could legitimately kind of like say, I'm just shooting a number out there, but let's just say 10% of those people are people that have the, that's predisposed to really being addicted for some reason, like really taking it to the extreme and getting strung out. Then you have the other 90% of people who's just like, okay, yeah, I was young or I was partying. I was going through a phase and yeah, I'm going back to work. Yeah, it's time to graduate. Yeah, I'm good. And they just move on with life. Right. And they're normal. Like they'll figure it out. They'll probably just have to like do like a January or maybe just like chill once in a while and say, these people could cut it off. They could say, I'm not drinking. I'm not doing anything. That 10%, which represents us, like this young lady that I saw on the train, if, if you're following me, represents that 10%. The person that probably had every kind of predisposition genetically, mentally, whether it was mental health wise, to just be totally addicted and to totally go off the deep end. Now you have people that's normal where they coming from the pain management side. I got into an accident. I broke my leg. A doctor prescribed me addicted, addicted um, perks, uh, uh, addicted uh, um, substances, and I got addicted. And then you know it got too expensive. So then I went. I switched over from maybe oxycotton or Dilaudid to heroin because it's easier to get heroin on the street because my doctor cut me off and I'm still in pain and now I'm strung out. And it could be one of these people that I see that just looks like they lost everything and they're just roaming through the streets trying to get their next hit because they're fighting against a monster that's no joke. That's one avenue. Then it's the other avenue where it's the party person or someone and then life smacks them dead hard in the face. Reality hits somehow within all of this party and their heart gets broken. Something gets taken from them. Maybe they get assaulted. Something happens that changes their brain. All that they have is the default of the party, which is the drugs and the alcohol. And they keep going and they keep going. Their brain changes and they form this really terrible addiction. And that takes them off the deep end, right? It's a thousand ways we could get to how we become addicted, but what we all have in common was we all were normal one day. It was at some point before it all hit the fan, we had good intentions, we were just going through the motions and we were just trying to have fun. What's the point of all of this? There are people that will wake up tomorrow not realizing that they have this predisposition to really be addicted and their brain could change extremely fast through some external stimulus like grief, trauma, pain, loss, or something like that, or whatever it is. And they could wake up on the other side of the Sober's Dope podcast like, yo, I'm, I'm, I need help, right? They could be on the other side. Yo, I messed up, right? I got strung out. I got with this guy. Or I got with this girl. And uh, you know what I mean? 
And not everyone is lucky like you and I. Like I'm sitting home with my girl. This my girl Jen. That's my boo. I can't believe she's sober, but she it. She finally made it. And it was like, yo, I stuck in there for four. Well, I've been sober for eleven years. I stuck in there for ten years, man, with her because I was. She was my codependent. I was her codependent. We both enabled each other. And when I was in rehab, my counselors and stuff said, you cannot graduate from here and stay with that girl. And I said, there's no reality where I abandon her. That one person, I will ride or die with her to the day I die because I know there's a good person there and because I get sober, there's no possible way I'm leaving her. Now, I'm not asking you all. I wasn't like I was heroic or anything. That's my girl and I'm just a loyal dude. I'm not gonna leave my girl. Plus, she was younger than me. It's like, I feel like I was the guy who could have, if I was the, the head of the party, I have to be the person that sets the example and clean up the party, right? The point being is not everyone is as lucky as myself. And I'm sitting here, my girl is there. She's working. She's running a damn multi. She's running a big ass company, uh, a streaming service. She runs a whole department. She's a she's a boss. She's a beast. On top of that, she's a writer. She started Meta as dope. She's a film director. She's doing all of this stuff. She's beautiful. She's highly intelligent, way smarter than me. And that's my girl. And we're chilling. Right. We're lucky. There's millions of people who are dead. They did not have the opportunities that I had. They did not get the breaks. There's millions of people that lost their mind. Now, let me explain to you why sober is dope is so important. If we don't spread the message of why we're doing this and why it's important to take your recovery process seriously, we're going to lose because we're competing against evil conglomerates that manufacture this stuff the fentanyl crisis alcohol all of these things that's poison billion dollar industries trillion dollar industries they're never going away they're just going to get better stronger and we're human we're biological entities with spirits that come from innocent natural places and we're fighting with this pharmacia like i said in the sober's dope book the root word of pharmacia sorcery charms magic all of these divinations all of this stuff that's what we're dealing with man with drugs and alcohol this stuff is really some negatively enchanted bullshit that could tear your soul apart so people say yo pop why you got so many prayers and all this christian stuff and all this stuff in the sober's dope book i'm like listen it's not about religion it's, it's spiritual warfare whether you realize it or not whether you believe in god or not the the agents of alcohol and drugs are the most malicious evil things that you'll ever see the creatures behind that agenda are straight up evil these are things that deal with this is synonymous with everything that you could think about that's dark if you don't combat that with some spirituality and some light and some love and something that's innocent and pure, it's hard to sometimes break out of that. Prayer is important, whether you believe in God or not. You got to be like, look, I got to pray to a higher power, man. I, I, I'm at a war with myself. And the world does not care if I die or not. They're just going to write it off. Oh, she was a drunk or he was a drug addict. Uh, you know, they, they, they had opportunities. I'm telling you, people will use your vice as a scapegoat to not feel guilt and guilty or bad or remorseful about your death. That's how they treat people that's addicted. It's a perfect excuse for someone not to really feel that bad. Deep down, uh, you know. They were they high? Like if somebody you ever heard of somebody who was in rehab or something that died, they could have been sober for years. You find out they dead. Oh, what happened? They relapsed. Some they're always thinking the worst of us. 
when we're the most courageous group of people on the planet we are living examples of people who was fighting a debilitating deadly damn uh, what they call endemic uh and, and war on drugs and alcohol against ourselves we was going through all of the motions and then we somehow find the strength to pick ourselves up out the gutter heal ourselves heal our brain heal our nervous systems rebuild our life and stay away from the toxins and the poisons of our drug of choice that's crazy heroic crazy heroic you don't see people the average human everyone is dealing with addiction now just with food food is one of the number one mental health drugs out there people use food to self-diagnose and to, to heal themselves you have this uh there's this problem with obesity and sugar and diabetes and there's a war so if someone doesn't understand an alcoholic and they can't stop eating fruit loops what's the difference i'm like you're just like the alcoholic you just two different addictions b how are you better when i see someone judge a person that's an addiction i'm like yo i could dissect i could dissect your life and show you probably 10 different ways you're addicted none of us are better than any other one we shall not judge christ said he who's without sin cast the first stone so why going back to that beautiful gorgeous girl that i saw on saw on a train yesterday was that yesterday or today i can't even remember i no, it was yesterday i swear to everything guys like literally i just i literally i just was like i can't imagine this girl's story now i'm gonna run into her again but you got to understand it is so hard being on the streets on the ground when you really see a person going through it man they don't even have the attention span to talk to you you can't really grab somebody and touch them and push them into rehab or you can't really do anything you get arrested for trying to help a homeless person if they don't want to help if they say leave me alone you got to just step off even if you think they're going to hurt themselves cops be standing right there like, i can't do nothing with them i know they hide though they strung out but i can't do anything they didn't break the law so all we could do is find ourselves within those people that could still be pop. That's pop. If I didn't get sober back in 2012 with the Sober is Dope, with just, you know, my journey started on December 15, 2012. My drug of choice is alcohol. If I didn't get sober back then, theoretically, one of my family members or friends could have passed me and said, yo, I saw this guy, man, remind me of pop, but it couldn't have been pop. And God was, hard, oh, but he just was so messed up, man. It felt bad. He reminded me of pop and it could have been me sitting somewhere in a corner lost my mind talking to myself sitting in my own feces uh, or a big can in my hand homeless all messed up and like done every person started out as a good person with good intentions and most of them started in recovery and eventually just said f it gave up and just stopped doing the work so this episode that was a very long introduction to explain to you the this episode <laughs> and hey i don't do a lot of episodes anymore man so when i speak i'm trying to just give you everything i got because i'm not i'm not here to waste my words man i'm i, I will i'm not coming on sober's dope talking unless i feel compelled to talk because i love you and i respect all of you so much man and i just don't want you guys to be like 
that small group of people in recovery that just gave up. They didn't have the right tools. You know, sometimes people in the Sobers Doe community relapse and it's like, damn, man, I think to myself, did I do everything I could have done? And, you know, sometimes I feel like I, you know, I got to humble myself and be like, look, man, you're not a doctor or counselor. You're not God. It's like you can't just control the fate of someone. You could just give them all of the good stuff you could give them and all of the advice and try to come from the deepest human experience and the deepest human condition and hope that it translates and resonates with the person enough to help them on their journey while they put their pieces to the puzzle together, right? And sometimes people give up and it's bigger than pop, it's over, it's dope, it's the nature of addiction in life. This is life and death. Stop playing with it. If people, if you're here to play, if you're here to recover out loud and, and, and um, chase the hype and the trending nature and go viral because sober is viral and it's cute to be sober now and it's trending then you gonna relapse so you're gonna miss the boat man yo yo this is not about like you know i know y'all guys see me i got the shop i got the coaching i have the book that has nothing to do with me trying to just like get rich or anything it's like yo i'm i set out a mission to reach a million people and i'm not I, i'm at two hundred thousand. I need to get to that. I'm trying to spread the gospel of sobriety. That's my service. I want to give it back. And listen, if I got to compete with um, liquor companies being in your face all day, I have to compete with drug companies being in your face. They legalize marijuana, which is not necessarily a bad thing for those who do harm reduction and who those who's California sober and those who use marijuana for mental health and those who use marijuana medicinally and those who... I'm not anti-marijuana. I'm not anti-anything. I'm just anti if you have a problem with a certain drug, you should find treatment for that drug. That's it. I'm not here to play with people. Like, I'm not your pastor. I'm not going to sit here and judge you, man. I'm telling you, I'm pop. I'm pop from the block. I was the wildest human being in the group of people, in the generation that raised me out of thousands of kids. I was probably one of the wildest people. You know, when I say wild, I mean wild. I'm not talking about street or none of that. I'm talking about wild. I was born, some aspect of God made me a very wild creature, man. And I pushed my body, I pushed myself to the deepest places one can go when in any condition I was in. And with my addiction, I'm talking about, it was like a, a, a negative superpower. It gave me all of this explosive energy where I wore all my emotions on my sleeve and I was a tornado. I would come into anyone's town and they would remember, yo, this kid was here and he was off the hook. I'm talking about off the hook. Whatever you thought was your wildest shit, add 30 on that, add a thousand on that, and I'll do that for five weeks straight without doing anything oh by the way someone said something the other day on the uh, instagram they was like glad you're taking showers again i'm like homeboy don't try to play me don't try to get cute don't listen to sober is dope and think you could take cheap shots i was never a clown i was never like out there like that i'm just saying i used to party to a point where we forget you would break day consecutively you're partying you're chasing girls we having fun and i would not bathe right it was just like that. It wasn't like I was on the street sitting in my own, like I was like, like that. So let's not get it crazy. I come on Sober is Dope to talk to you guys out of love. I'm not a clown. There's no clown aspect to me. I've always been a hunted. I'm just a person that was allergic to alcohol and it really did a number on me, right? 
you mix my addiction with depression and grief and anxiety and stuff like that and you go through the neuroplastic changes and then from that grief causes and loss and all of that and then you have this kind of mental health manifestation where i have this tornado i'm a tornado i'm drinking the tornado gets amplified you add emotions and grief and then i tear apart the town and then the process hurt myself immensely right so i'm healing we're all healing but I don't treat you guys with clowns. And I know, cause I'm telling you, I'm not the wildest case study, man. I got, I got people who seem like the most innocent people. You hear their stories, you like, oh my God. So I'm not like any, you know, I, I'm on my spectrum and you're on your spectrum and I respect it. But we all were in crazy situations when we was addicted. And I'm not trying to make fun of you guys. So I don't want nobody online trying to play me. It was a dig dude said I deleted the comment because I'm like, son, you know, I'm not a clown. I'm a Brooklyn kid. Like, you ain't going to come at me clapping and talking crazy to me. I'm not having it. I'm 44 years old. I'm not a kid. And I'm very candid and share. And it's not for people to throw it back in my face because there's nothing sweet over here. So that's my that that was that it, I thought that was funny. But I, that person got checked. But moving along, I tell you guys all it is because I want you to win. But I don't want us to kind of like be in this. Um, I don't want us in 2024 to get comfortable, man. You can't get comfortable with your um, recovery, man. You have to kind of like really understand the best analogy I could give you about your drug of choice is... It's like one of those horror movies where someone goes into a house and they see some like shed that says do not enter. It has like a thousand caution signs. They still go into the shed. They open the door. There's a thousand more caution signs. Don't come in here. And then they do. And then there's some erroneous chest or box or something that has like a hundred caution signs on it. Do not open. And the person opens it and lets out this kind of like spirit or like the Badaduk or one of these crazy ass spiritual manifestations where the shit's crawling on the wall and it's like the ring. To, uh, that, that's what your drug of choice is like, man. Is something that is designed to kill you. It is absolutely the manifestation of evil. It brings out the ugliest aspects of ourselves and it has no problem killing you and putting you in the most dangerous, craziest situations and kidnapping your mind, holding you hostage like a possession, causing you to black out. So you're moving around consciously, subconsciously, but you're not conscious. You're You checked out. Pop checked out. Jane checked out, Joe checked out, whoever did, we checked out. But this manifestation of evil is right, like, you know, moving and controlling in our mind, body, and spirit connection. Then has the unquenchable thirst to continue to consume more of this thing until that cycle destroys you and cause you to implode and die addiction is no joke and i swear that's the biggest part of what i want to bang in people's head this year because humans have the most beautiful superpower of forgetting shit and thinking that everything's sweet and that you're on top of things when you're not and you have things under control when you don't <laughs> 
and you don't know what the threat level is, the further away you get from the threat, you start to forget the threat level. But that threat is always moving. It's a mobile threat. It's not stationary. It's not in a box hidden somewhere. That shit is moving with you at any moment. If you sleep on that threat, you will get handled because that demon that comes with that drug of choice is no joke. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know it. And anyone want to argue with me, I will take pictures of people that I see and say, can you tell me, is it anything godly about that? Is it anything that it's uh, safe and fun and friendly about what this person is going through right now? And when this person was a little kid in grade school, would they ever had imagined that they would be manifest manifested in this way at this point in their life? That's what addiction looks like. That shit kills people. That person is lost. They need help. Are you going to help them? Are you going to go on that street and help that person that's lost their mind when you see it? It's, it's, it's so overwhelming when you see the manifestation of the, what addiction wants to, to, can do to a person up close. Like the insanity, the loss. Like what's killing me lately is that whatever the accessibility to drugs has to be, like fentanyl and all of this stuff, it's so easy to get drugs now. Like it wasn't really that easy coming up. You had to know somebody, you had to hit the street, you had to try. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like now it's super easy. Like weed was, I used to get arrested for a nickel bag. Like a kid just, I'm on a date trying to go to Central Park, got a hot Indian little shorty with me. We got our little food and our little thing, got a little weed on us. We're trying to roll up. We mind our business. We kissing. We, you know, we got, we on summertime. It's like, we just bust our ass in school and a cop rolls up on us and arrest us because we roll like, it's like, what? And then now I got to see kids smoking on the train. Like, yo, dude, we used to get arrested for even looking like, we didn't even have to have the weed on us. They'll run up on us and check our pockets. You know, dudes doing 15, 20 years max because they were selling weed or had weed, too much weed on them. That was legal. I'm like, man, listen, the point I'm trying to make is the accessibility is like through the roof now for people. But I'm seeing a different type like that. I'm not different because I ain't going to front. I came up through the crack era, not like my family. We ain't no crackheads. I'm talking about I saw the manifestation of crack in real time in New York as it was unraveling. I saw people that I knew or people that seemed normal one day because I was a kid. I'm like five, six, seven, like five to ten was like the crack ever was crazy for me. And I used to see someone that uh, like literally like, yo, that was my friends, like not my friends, but this person's mom. I always see them in the neighborhood. They're normal people. And then one day you see them running down the block and you like, yo, what the, f yo, what happened? What's going on? And you see someone else say, yo, these people look, when you, I don't know if they ever could capture or if you could ever, I don't think anyone remembers what a full blown crackhead looked like back in the day. You, I'm talking about, you get, you get, people give us flack for comparing addiction to zombies, but I mean, I'm calling a spade a spade. When I tell you, I'm not saying that someone that's dealing with addiction is a zombie. I'm saying when I was growing up in the eighties and crack first hit in those late eighties and nineties, I saw normal people, um, display zombie like behavior. And it was shocking because I was a kid. I ain't even know what a zombie was. I just was like, yo, I'm just seeing someone that I know walking funny. They used to have this walk, looking at the ground, can't stop moving, sores all over them. It was crazy, like dirty and like, yo, can't stop. It was so crazy. I'm like, yo, what happened? That's an, that was like, that 
think about that. Those families didn't create the drugs. They didn't allow them to come into the country. They wasn't, that was all something that was done to us, right? In a perfect society, that type of substance shouldn't hit the streets for innocent people to consume. Why? Because you go back to my initial conversation, my initial intro, it was all about everyone's intention being innocent in the beginning. But you're fighting against principalities and powers and, and, and evil, malicious, dark entities and forces that creates these things and wants to push them in population and watch people implode. It's almost like offering someone a beautiful slice of apple pie that's laced with fentanyl and they don't even realize it. They're just having a good time. Someone told them, ah, it's just pie, but it's pie that'll make you extremely happy. But the person doesn't tell you, but it's like a 98% chance you're going to get hooked to it and then you're going to be somewhere losing your mind in five years, totally unrecognizable with no friends and no family, lost and most likely dead. But enjoy the apple pie. We never get the disclaimer. I swear if every child in high school or eighth grade, like before they get to that point where they're trying to drink when they're still innocent, if their parents gave them the real disclaimer of alcohol, like, yo, you could drink if you want. I'm not going to just tell you not to drink. You're a kid. You're going to go experiment. But let me give you the real disclaimer of what this shit could potentially do. And let me show you 30 examples of how it look at its worst end of the spectrum. Now, just be careful and go out. Now you have all of the rules. You can be addicted. You have to go to rehab. You'll lose everything. I'm not certainly going to deal with your shit. These are the rules. If someone laid it out to me like that when I was like 11, before I even cared about what I I started drinking around 13, 14. So they caught me around 11 and 12 and was like, yo, this is what the real deal is. I probably would have took heed and maybe made different decisions. But everyone, including the people on TV and the manufacturers of all of this shit, made it look like people's partying. It's super innocent. It was the apple pie that was laced with fentanyl. That's the analogy. All I could do is smell the apple pie and see people having fun. They eating the apple pie. They seem like it's good. No one told you it was laced with fentanyl and you're going to be super addicted and you're going to ruin your life. But we have to have mercy. We have to realize that the, the people that's getting into it today, it's starting to look like the 80s and 90s, B. Like it's really starting to look like that on these streets, y'all. Like this shit's serious. And every single one of us, including myself, is one dumbass decision away from that. Now, let's get into this episode. All right. Because this episode is about um, tips on like what to do if you're struggling, what to do if you're in recovery and you're like kind of like, I don't know, I kind of want to drink and I've been thinking about it like I <laughs> I know I can't drink and I know I'm a rumor, but I be thinking about it or I miss that or I'm I, something's missing and I feel like I'm a relapse or deep down you're slipping and relapsing in secrecy and in stages. Now, we have a bunch of episodes on the Sober's Dope podcast, but one of our biggest episodes, which I love, is going all the way back to the, like, the first 10 or 20. It was like the stages of relapse. When I was talking about you could relapse psychologically, mentally, um, spiritually, emotionally, before you relapse physically. So for me, I'll give you a quick short example. When I relapsed 
a few times, relapsed about two or three times before I actually found my recovery, right? Um, and I remember every time it would be like I'll be riding the high or the pink cloud of recovery and sober. Now, this is before I knew about AA. This is before anything. It's, I used to just do these like, I'm mad healthy. I'm going cold turkey. I'm cleaning my life up. This thing is bad. It was no context. It was no, your addiction is real. There was no Instagram. It was none of this stuff. It was no one talking about it. No one on. It was the only thing out at that time was kind of like Twitter, Facebook. And Instagram wasn't out yet. It was like Twitter and Facebook, right? I don't even know. Yeah, it was like probably, yeah, it was like Twitter and Facebook, right? Because we're going back. What I'm talking about now is going back to like 2000. And for me, it was like 2003 to 2005, 2006, 2007. It was like these, like, I was still like really in my 20s and I was kind of like having these epiphanies where I just need to get my life together but I didn't have the full context of the story to understand that addiction is gonna it, it will take me and just totally spin me into like a vicious cycle on repeat later on it was just like this cocktail that was waiting for me like yo this kid's like this is a good kid. He does real estate. He got the brownstones. He got the girl. He got the he got his people. He does hip hop. He got a bunch of family and friends. Everybody kind of loves him. He's doing his own thing. But he does have this underlining the issue of constantly getting in trouble around alcohol. And as he gets older, the alcohol kind of stays in his cipher 24-7. So it may start off innocently or in the morning. Yo, I'm just going to have a beer, just like some people smoke a joint. Then it'll be like, yo, I'm going to have another one. And the next thing you know, it's 8 o'clock in the evening and I'm still drinking and I'm trying to get... It's this cycle with this manip the manipulation within the spirits and the addiction kept its ass on me. And then eventually that cocktail just needs one or two tragic things to happen or one or two things to trigger depression, anxiety, and, and, and woe is me and trauma and PTSD and me needing to go back into the coping mechanism of the addiction. But 90% of the time, the addiction is what causes the grief and all of these things. So it was like a terrible cycle. Now, you add one more piece of that cocktails that I was an absolute person that should have never drank and that will always be addicted, right? I was different from my siblings and other people. I had friends who could drink just as much as me on a Friday night and on Saturday go out for pancakes and be normal, right? They maybe drank more than me. But then Pop drinks on a Friday night and wakes up on Saturday, he needs to drink more. Then he needs to drink more Sunday. And then you fast forward a year later and I'm still playing out that party from that random Friday night. I just never stopped partying. Nobody gave me the memo and the cocktail was there. One bad thing happened, a breakup. One person dies that I love, so trauma. One thing happens, I lose the real estate market crash, I lose my business, I can't make money, I'm, 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 I'm young, I'm kind of spoiled, I'm entitled because I feel like I could do what I want. And I couldn't. And then, you know, you fast forward to that, just continuously that cycle. Some days, you know, I have good days. Some days I have bad days. 
I'll try to go to, uh, you know, I'll have a really bad night and hurt somebody's feelings and do something to a family member or my girlfriend or something. And then I'm sorry, I'm never going to do it again. Um, I'm going to watch The Karate Kid and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and meditate and I'm going to drink mad water and I'm going to have a spiritual epiphany and then I'm going to be sober. And then I'll relapse again. Why? Because I wasn't doing any of the work. I had no context on how serious addiction was. I just thought I feel really bad in this moment. I can't do this thing. It was no yo. But in order to not do this thing, you have to do these things all the time. In order to do these things all the time, you have to be mindful of this and mindful of that. It's all of these different stages that a person may have to go through in order to really be well-rounded in their recovery. So to everyone out there that goes through your normal day in recovery, but you're not really happy, you're really miserable, you think about drinking all day, or you're afraid, or you maybe relapse here and there and trying to clean it up, and you're just overall struggling, man. Like, I this is why I do it. And to give you context, I, I'm there sometimes. I don't really think about alcohol and stuff, but it's times where I'm just like, you know, like, What's thought like why? Why why do I care about all of this? Why is all of this important? Why is this sober thing important? Why I gotta make this such a big part of my identity? And literally you just walk outside and be like, oh, I I remember. Yeah, I could be walking on all fours right now trying to pick a cigarette off a floor in a puddle of piss with my teeth in the middle of the rain on a dirty sidewalk because I decided to drink a year ago and then a relapse and my whole life is upside down and I'm back to square one. I'm never trying to come back to you guys with another soap is dope story. I do not want to be that guy as yeah, guys, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm talking about, I made that one promise to God. You know what I'm saying? I'm not drinking. I can't play with that. So when, when it comes to your drug of choice, and I say that specifically because we all have different drugs of choices. I know people who's addicted to really weird things, you know? Um, we all have these extremely bizarre drugs of choice and whatever your personal drug of choice is, you need to understand that you have to have a hedge of protection and you have to be able to understand the stakes and you have to understand that that particular drug of choice is your arch nemesis, is your enemy, is designed to destroy you inside and out with no reservations, right? When you're dealing with something that powerful, you can't play and you have to always be on point and you have to be able to acknowledge and know when you're slipping and what to do and you have to remember the darkness and know the stakes the stakes are high man the stakes are high i mean like a couple of people i know relapsed recently and they just took it so hard they just was like nah man i try to talk to them there's like nah this is like I messed up like bad, bad. And I'm like, how bad? Like this happened yesterday. You alive? They like, nah, man. I messed up, man. I and then they they went dark. Can't get them on the phone. Can't get them to talk to me. You know, a couple of people that bought the books had some struggles, and um, and I'm like, yo, that's why I wrote the book. That's why this spiritual prayers and spiritual like i know it's not just about yo i went to a meeting it's not just about 
yo, I saw my psychiatrist. It's not just about one day at a time. It's all of these things put together with the urgency. The, 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 the urgency has to be high. Because what we're dealing with is life and death on its most profound level, right? So I wanted to give you guys 10 tips to get and stay sober um, and just kind of like talk about like that real underlining thing. If you're one of those people that's relapsing in secrecy, like you're thinking about shit or you're struggling or life is really in a dark place and you're really in a dark place and you just like, damn, man, like I, you know, another theme I see is people like, damn, I gave up drinking. I gave up doing drugs and like shit's still messed up. I'm still pissed. I'm still upset. I'm still not happy. In those scenarios, what I want to say to everyone, and if you're still listening at this point, thank you, because uh, this I'm not just talking this talk like I swear. Um, but if you're at that point, you know, I want you to understand, like, I want you to look at it like you think about it like this, you, your life and the potential of what you can do with and in your life is so untapped that you're literally probably manifesting depression, anxiety because of what you uh, self-worth, how you look at yourself, how you feel about yourself and how you view your worthiness. But you can't really trust any of those feelings. Like I didn't make it. I feel defeated. I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not about anything. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. I feel like I failed and I just life is not fun. I'm telling you now, there's thousands of different versions of you based on your potential. There's millions of different ways you could express yourself, your personality, your charisms, your talents. There's thousands of things you can do with yourself. Then there's tens of thousands of different stories on who you could be in different timelines and with different potentials. I'm just asking you guys, if you're in recovery, can you please take your recovery to the next level by building your life on top of it. Let it be the bedrock of your life and your potential. Use your mind, push yourself, try to do the impossible, man. Face your fears. A lot of it, I'm afraid of a lot of things. It was a time where I was afraid of doing a podcast and actually coming on it and speaking, right? So I did episode one by pressing a button and saying, go, just, just tell your story and do it. Ah. And it came out pretty well, came out authentic. Push yourself. If you're not pushing yourself, then you're going to get stuck in boredom. You're going to get stuck in just the repetitive cycle of the day in and day out. Now, here's the thing that our brains don't like. You know, I'm not going to say addict brains because that's really like archaic and crazy and politically incorrect. What I'm going to say is sober minds do not like the behavior patterns of um, the brain of the once addicted person right so what do i mean by that like when you're drinking and doing drugs you're literally getting up every day and doing the same things you're like getting up with the agenda to get high you have to go procure the drugs of choice and then you're going to go back to your little hub of wherever you at your little base and you're going to get high 
And then you're going to just chill and have a little bit of fun and play within that little bit of 20 minutes of fun. Then you're going to get angry and you're going to get confused and you're going to get sad and you're going to fight and you're going to curse at somebody. You're going to get belligerent because now, you know, I got to somehow muster up the energy and the money, which I don't have to do this again. Just so I can get that little 10 to 20 minutes of fun, then the next four or five hours is just total destruction again. It's that cycle, right? You do the same thing day in and day out, but you, and then, then you like just flooding your brain with artificial dopamine. So it's like the only this fake happiness. And meanwhile, your actual dopamine receptors are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, and you're shrinking and shrinking and shrinking spiritually, mentally, and stuff until you get lost, right? So when you get sober and you get up and you got to go to the job, you got to do this shit every day and your apartment starts to look the same and a routine starts to get the same, you start to get slippery thoughts and potentially start relapsing. You start thinking about that ex or that person you ain't supposed to be messing with. You start thinking about what people doing around the way. Yo, I'm going to go back and try to chill with my peoples and they at the bar now. Now you're like, yeah, I could do this. I can hang with them and be good, but you're not really a hundred. All of that stuff and those behaviors will slowly get you into a position where you either could coast in recovery or you're going to be like always on the fence of like, yo, what if? And like, I kind of miss this and I'm kind of like trying to ease my way back into my old life, but without drinking or dealing with my drug of choice. Yo, that's all. None of that shit works. It's all outdated. It's just like lack of creativity and a lack of imagination, but also it's a lack of instruction from people in the recovery space that have more years than you that's like, yo, I learned how to skydive and I used to do that every Friday night. Like that, I'll give you an example. You can speak to one person and say, yo, how did you, how do you stay sober for 40 years? Yo, I mean, I got sober. So, you know, I always wanted to fish or I started a fishing company. Then I bought a fishing boat and now I own 30 and then I'm a millionaire and I like to skydive all day and I like to take my kids mountain climbing. And, you know, when we go to our house in the Alps and I got this house hit and you like, you did all of that from just like, being sober, like, yeah, I had nothing to do. I started using my potential. I had all this energy. Why not just go out there and just be crazy ill and do really cool things, right? It's not that hard. But most people get into sobriety and recovery and they go, okay, I got to go to meet. It's like you do these things that you have to do, but then they start to become mon like repetitive, redundant. But the, the redundancy is necessary. Like I have to do meetings or I have to do podcasts. I have to talk to people. I have to check in with people. I have to pray. I have to meditate. I have to reflect. Part of my therapy is consistently reflecting on my recovery. So it brings me back to the acknowledgement of the darkness of my addiction. The, the more I stay focused on the reality that I'm playing with a beast and a demon of all type of sorts that I do not want any smoke with, that this thing must stay contained, then I don't want to play with that. I understand the threat level and the urgency level of even flirting with the idea of playing with my drug, my drug of choice, right? So it's kind of very clear for me. But on the, on, on the contrary, I have to say, okay, now... I ha I'm sober. I can't mess with the threat level of this demon over here called alcohol. So what I'm going to do, 
is I'm gonna try to create everything that my mind wants to create and I'm gonna consistently do things and make different things so my brain is not always in the same environment. I could be in my house all day, I could go to work and have this routine that seems very redundant, going to the meetings, going, that's where that could be necessary redundancies, right? But my mind is never in that same environment because I'm always creating something new. I'm always making something. I'm always building something. I'm always doing something with my recovery. Because again, my sobriety and recovery is the bedrock of my creativity and the potential in my life. And if I'm untapped potential, you have nothing but pure untapped God given. Now that I'm going to say God given, I'm just talking about as magnificent of that you can imagine the magnificence of your potential and what you're capable of doing and how much are we going to leave on the table in this lifetime like honestly how much we left a lot on the table when we was drinking and drugging we was we was wilding out for, for years partying doing nothing but getting high and getting effed up going crazy so we got to put that same energy into something good and use our recovery to really kick some ass, man. And like when you leave all that potential on the table, you start to be one of those people that's like, yeah, I kind of want to have a drink. It's like, yeah, because you're kind of not doing shit. Like before you think about having a drink, why don't you go do something like climb a mountain, skydive, write a poetry book, write poems, play the guitar, do something, film you, do anything, start a bakery, learn how to cook, learn a new language, go mount, like, learn a new martial art, uh, you know, study algorithms, get into code, go back to school, get a degree, a random degree in anything, teach, find a, write down what's your dreams, travel the world, study, like, study abroad, do anything, like, it's, you understand how infinite potential is? It's so many different variations and versions of what you are who you can be and how you can be it you just have to use your recovery as the bedrock and, and kill it so while you sitting there thinking about your ex it's like millions of people out there like go meet someone new go meet someone sober and clean and sober that's new like build your life with someone like you be creative yo we have an episode i'm gonna have to redo it we have an episode it's a hundred ways a hundred things to do um, in recovery or something like that. I don't remember the exact title, but I, I think I actually gave a hundred things that you could do, right? To not be bored, to not be stuck at the club on a Friday night. And since when going out to these lounges and clubs is the, um, the you know, the, the, the only in thing that's, that you could do on the weekend or something like that. It's not the only thing that people do for fun. You know, it's going to these dumbass places where all people do is get drunk and trash and do drugs and get angry and fight at the end of the night anyway. Like, this is me shattering the myths. Like, yo, seriously, like, I have to shatter the myth. Like, you're, the fear of missing out, the fear that you're not having fun because you hear a lot of people outside having fun. Yo, everyone is searching for something. When we go out on a Friday night, you most likely not thinking about, all right, I, I'm going to keep it real. I used to think about, yo, I'm going to get fucked up. Like, Martin and them, like, it wasn't, no, I'm trying to find love and fulfillment and nothing deep. It was like, yo, we're going to attempt to get at as trashed as possible till we can't even speak anymore it was already set like yo there's no doubt in my mind i'm literally not gonna know how to walk by the end of the night it was i don't know why we thought that way but that's what we was programmed to think was a good time you know but 
It wasn't a good time. It was, yeah, you have some good times. I'm not gonna sit here and act like we never had good times in our, we're human, we had good times. But it was kind of like, yo, at the end of the, 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 most of those nights, man, didn't end pretty well. Like I really had more regrets in regards to fun um, from my addiction than I, than, than, I, than I should have. Like I really, there was a lot of beautiful things that could have really just been timeless experiences and I squandered it because I was drunk and high. And it, you know, and I'm not gonna sit here and beat myself up, but you know, it's just those times where you say things you don't mean, you embarrass yourself, and you, you, you know, you have all of this guilt and shame and regret. I mean, the guilt and shame it contributes to most of my gray hair. I, I was born with gray hair, right? I was born just as a genetic freak. I had all this gray hair. And I loved it. It was like you said, I was young, I had wisdom, but I'm telling you, man, the grades that came in from the shame and guilt of the dumb shit that I did in my addiction, those shits come out of all the weirdest places you could find, B. It's like I have gray hairs there on my fingernails, man. That's a bad joke, but you get the point. The thing is, I've been, I'll be stressed behind my my guilt and shame or what I did or what I said or in back I mean I remember people used to have to replay one of my nights to me and I'm like yo there's no way I did that B. they like yeah man like you literally was like crazy that like you went all the way in be like you was running down the highway naked be with a hula hoop and a skateboard and then you know you fell over and you was in the water and you came up it, it, it never stops it's like come on you can't they like that was just eight o'clock by 10 you was overhead and you know and i'm like ah, all right so i'm embarrassed and i gotta move now i gotta find a new place to live i gotta change my name i don't want you know it was that type of shit and then the apologies i say all of that so you could kind of be like yo pop's crazy but i kind of get it i've been there but you see how there was a slight kind of me romanticizing the dumb shit all of that shit was non-cypher all of it was toxic all of it was evil i should have not done none of that like that when i think about how i dishonored myself in some ways and in my like how i just did certain things that was just unnecessary it was kind of like that's addiction man that's drugs and alcohol that's like yo put you in a personality space that's not yours where some entity can make you do dumb shit that you'll never do in your right state of mind what else could make someone do something that they don't want to do in their right state of mind a possession it has to be so when i'm talking about spirituality and i'm talking about life and death and i'm coaching and i'm trying to like get you to truly understand the nature of addiction it's it's these type of episodes where if you're in doubt, listen. If you're in doubt, listen. Think about the girl that I talk about in the beginning that's in the train right now, picking cigarettes up the floor, dirty, lost, broken, family can't find her, probably doesn't even remember her name. She was a totally like a superstar. She had to be. I have not seen anyone that beautiful in a long time. She's like Scarlett Johansson level. Like, and it was just bizarre. I got so caught off guard because I'm like, yo, this chick looked like a damn movie star. How is she here like this? And she's so young. It has to be some next level shit that's happening in the world. This is crazy. So the stakes are high, man. So I don't. And, and again, that could be any one of us. She could be any one of us. That could be pop two years from now if I keep playing, if I'm playing games, right? 
you know? So we're going to get into these tips because I'm wilding out with a very long episode, but I don't care. I love you guys. Let's do it. If you're still here, let's do it. All right. 10 tips to get and stay sober. Tip number one, set clear goals to find your reasons for getting sober and set achievable goals. Having a clear purpose can keep you focused and motivated. So for me, when I first started, you know, I could not imagine if I 90 days for me was like the craziest number. And I never I that's why I'm saying when people you have to try to do rehab you got to try to get to detail. You got to go to these places where you're around some institutions, you know, where they have like these systems and modalities because it's little things like that that kept me, that got me to 11 years. Like when I told you guys I used to get sober on my own, it was never no structure. It was no like 90 days. That's a goal that I could check off and really have an accomplishment every day because you know an accomplishment is sets is the same amount of dopamine as you're going to get from a hit it's still dopamine release you're going to feel good but you're going to get a little dopamine kick it's a reward yo i did something good today i got to another day i could check this off the list go me now i gotta get to day five six seven eight nine and ten but i'm trying to get to 90 meetings in 90 days or if i'm not doing meetings i'm trying to hit 90 days Define your reasons for getting sober and set achievable goals. Have a clear purpose. So another way for someone who's thinking about relapsing or you've been playing around and you've been kind of dabbling and you kind of can still get back on the wagon. Set an achievable goal to say, okay, I'm going to do I'm going to do 10 meetings in 10 days. Because right now I'm having slippery thoughts. I probably went six months without a meeting. I got caught into this thought process where I don't need to go to meetings. I'm I'm good now. I got it. I got it covered. You don't got shit covered. You slippery. You think it's slippery. You relapsing spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and all of that before you even think about relapsing physically. But you will relapse physically. So go to 10 meetings in 10 days. Come back, reevaluate. Set clear goals. Two, build a support system. Surround yourself with positive influences, whether it's friends, family, and support. Sometimes they could be tough influences. Yo, you wanna surround yourself with people that's gonna give you a real hard time for playing around with your recovery, right? I'll give you a good, I'll give you a quick story and I'm done with the stories. My sister had a dream. She woke up in the middle of the night, ran to me like it was a nightmare. She said in her dream, I was, so we it was the holidays so we all stay were staying in the same place so how the my place is i have like this this like kind of like walkway that goes into my kitchen and then you can like see the sink and to the left is the bathroom right so you're going from the living room into the kitchen but when it's dark you can't necessarily see what's in the living room until you really get close to it so she comes to me like literally in tears, my younger sister. And she's like, yo, pop, I love you so much, bro. Please don't ever drink, man, please. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, yo, I had this dream. It was like a nightmare. She said I was going to the bathroom and you were standing in the dark over the sink, but your back was facing me. And that is just gonna make me cry, man. This is too heavy, man. Cause that day, even I cried. It was a hardcore dream. She was like, your back was facing me. And she and I said, hey, Pop, what you're doing here? Like, why are you still up? And she said, you didn't respond. 
And she said it was like this darkness coming off of you. And she got, she said, I got scared. And I was like, yo, pop was pop. And she said, you turned around and you had a bottle in your hand and you was mad messed up. And she said, yo, I just broke down and started crying. And she was like, yo, bro, please don't ever drink. And now I'm telling you guys this story because it's like, think about her terror. That describes a horror movie, like just the dark room, this figure that re that's recognizable is standing there as a silhouette. You see this figure of someone you love, but then they turn around and it's like, oh my God, this is not who you thought it was. And it caused her to run out of her bed, screaming and crying and begging me, pleading with me, please just don't ever drink, right? That's a support system. That's someone that's gonna remind you of the darkness. Someone that's going to get you to that place to be like, yo, listen, this shit is life and death, evil and good. Let's all stop playing games, man. Y'all all see the world we in. It's evil or good, man. There's no gray area, man. You either a demon or you a saint, man, or you working it out. But you know what I'm talking about. We're just normal people who have an addiction that did dumb shit. There's people out there that's truly evil, man. And, and that won't that and we, we're fighting that thin line. So you need the tough guys and you need the good guys. You need the person that's in your support system that's gonna be like, it's okay to have a bad day, and it's okay to be okay. Then you're gonna have the person that's like, yo, yo. You better stay on point. I don't ever want to see you going back to that. Cause you don't, you was like, and they remind you. Like, son, this ain't a game. This ain't trending. This ain't funny. It was nothing funny from that dark shit you was doing when you was drug, drunk and high. Let's stop playing with each other. I think a lot of this recovery stuff is us putting, like, trying to play, like, play with each other. Like, I got to be gentle and sweet and all of this, like, new, you know, we're in this new stage where you got to watch what you say. You got to be politically correct. You can't hurt people's feelings. You got Listen, when it comes to addiction, you got to tell people what it is. Because if they relapse, you're not going to have a chance to communicate with them, right? It's like, I couldn't communicate with the girl earlier. She was out of it. When I told her she left the lighter, she understood that. She was like, oh, I'm going to get my lighter. But you try to say anything else to her, no, she ain't talking to you. About what? Sober's dope? In the midst of her heat? Man, listen, man. But I tell you this much, I'll see her again. I'll work on her. I'm going to get her. I'll get her. I'll line up. Three years down the line. 40 different encounters, slowly planting the seeds here and there till I get her that one day and say, can I have, can I have a real talk with you? But anyway, let's move on. 10 tips to get sober and stay sober. And if you're struggling with relapse or you're thinking about being slippery or you kind of like missing it or thinking about having a drink, we're going through different things you could do to get back on track. Seeking professional help. Now look, if I wake up tomorrow and for some reason I start having thoughts about drinking and I start slipping mentally and emotionally and I start saying shit like maybe I could have one. Yo, I'm going to get professional help. I'm either going to get a therapist, psychiatrist, doctor, somebody, yo, I'm a AA, some type of professional like this needs to be this is the thing now. Now I'm in recovery, but I'm in a secondary recovery where I got to get treatment for even thinking crazy. I got to get back to my motivation of where I was when I first started. All I'm telling you is this episode is long winded because it's like, how do we get our motivational level back to where it started? Like we all start off with that exercise routine. I'm the worst with this. I'm like Rocky. 
all of that for a hot six months, then you, you got, and I'm eating donuts, B. Like, I got to find balance. I'm a Libra. It's very like, yo, how do, so the whole point of my life, my highest key to success is how do I take things that's good for me and consistently do them? The only thing I have a really good track record with that's 100% is my recovery. I don't drink. I won't drink. I won't do that shit. I've like, you know, I'm like, but you know, I'm trying to get to a point where I know, yo, if things are not working out. I could seek a professional for this. Like we need that. I have to save money this month to pay for this. This is the foundation. How do I get my motivation and my interest back to where it was? Even better. I want to stay dialed in. I want to keep that pink cloud going for the next 30 years. That's how that's there we go. We just hit it. That's that's the jackpot. That's the theme of Sober is Dope moving forward. How to keep the pink cloud going even when it's no pink cloud. Even when the skies are gray. How to bring that pink cloud in and just bang out that gray sky, right? Seriously, that's the theory. How do we get ourselves back to realignment and get that pink cloud back? Right. With anything in life, that excitement, yo, I'm sober, I'm in recovery, go me. Even when people stop cheering, even when no one's looking, you got to remember you made a really good decision. You save your life. Like we could be burying every single person who decides to relapse within a year or two. Another tip, create a routine, establish a daily routine that includes healthy habits, structure and consistency can help replace old patterns with new positive behaviors. We touched on that when I was talking about like maximizing your potential and that being using your creativity and using that to offset your routine because the routine is important, but then how you how you mix it up and you keep it fun and sexy is you have to mix in your passions and your why you know like i give you a good example guys I, i've been working on a new project you know i'm always working on a project but this project like so today i'm like today's my last day of work and then i go back i finish my work week right I, i'm done so this is my like day off and i'm going into my couple of days off all day at work I was thinking about when I got home and I was going to do this podcast and I was going to work on this second project. That's all I could think about at work. I want to say these things on a podcast. I know it's going to be a little long winded, but I got to do a podcast tonight. Right now I'm at work. I'm in the routine. I'm doing that thing, but I still had something that was pulling me and it wasn't my drug of choice. You see how that worked? That same pulling like when I used to be like, yo, I could be anywhere. All I'm thinking about is, yo, I gotta get that brandy, man. I gotta get brandy, trigger warning. I gotta get a beer. I got nothing else was pulling me. That's all I wanted to focus on. That was what was pulling me. So now the things that pull me are love. Like sometimes I'm at work and all I could think about is getting home and seeing my girl. You know, that's majority of the time, you know what I'm saying? But the other parts of the time, I may be like really excited because I'm working on something, right? And this is what I want for you. Like, 
find what you really love to do and do it in a big way but do it long enough to where no one's looking and cheering you're doing it for you right most of us do things because we think we're going to make money or we're going to get famous or we're doing it for some selfish reason instead of being honest yo i gotta find what i love to do that's that just gets me going because i do a lot of things that i put a lot of work into that does not have a lot of income potential or any kind of like success potential the only get the, the thing that i get from it is that natural dopamine release and that natural reward and that natural self-gratification where i'm like i did this thing i made this thing and i'm proud of myself right that's enough to replace my drug of choice that's the new hit for me right that accomplishment and it could be little things like i have to organize my dresser drawer this week right and i gotta do extra laundry and I have to go visit a family member, right? Those are three big things that I've been kind of like, you know, not avoiding, not not the laundry thing, but I'm just giving you an example. But you know how you push things off. I, I know I got to rearrange my linen closet or I know I got to repaint this. But you know when you really buckle down and actually do those things and you buck out, you, 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 you kind of like bang out those goals and you like, I did that shit. I feel really good about myself. I did that shit today. And there's so much I need to do, but every day I try to push myself a little further because when you could really get that hit or something could pull you in a positive way. When I say hit, I don't mean to use those same type of, that type of jargon, but it's really good for us to make that connection where you could really still get natural hits of dopamine from doing really positive things, right? And you don't have to do drugs. It's not as potent as a drug, like, but it lasts longer. Remember what I said? You get that little 20 minute high and then now you want to curse and fight somebody but a real dopamine hit means you feel good about yourself and it catapults you and it builds momentum into the next day to the next day and then you consistently build on these accomplishments until you build something great within yourself and for the world so this is what I'm talking about. These are those things that no one's going to talk about. I swear to everything. You're not going to hear this stuff in the context of recovery. There's no one on the planet tapping this deep. I'm telling you, they're not. I'm certain. I listen to everyone. There's very... The, 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 the concepts that I'm talking about are in alignment with just um, self-actualization and just actual fulfillment in life as a human being, not necessarily always in the context of recovery. What I'm trying to co convince you of is that your actual choice to be sober and clean from whatever you're dealing with is a superpower that could really help you take everything to a level of purity in yourself and in your life and allow you to really participate on such a higher level where the fulfillment and everything is just beautiful for you it puts you into this atmosphere and this environment where it's like yo i'm really self-fulfilling my personal prophecy and my goals are what i need to be and where i want to be and i'm kind of like getting to that place where I'm feeling really good about being a human being and doing things for myself. And I'm starting to learn how to love myself and really want more for myself and assert myself and tell the universe and God what I want from myself and tell myself what I want from myself. This is shit that you're not going to really hear anywhere. Why? Because this is how deep I'm taking it.
This is how deep I go into myself. I'm sharing it with you. Of course, you're gonna say you can, you can stay sober when you're in this much in the trenches of what you gotta do of soul searching for yourself. Get into the trenches. Get into the mud of who you are. Right? I listen to everybody on YouTube. These people all telling you stuff, man. I'm like, listen, man. Human beings are ancient. We're beautiful, but we're not that complex. We're complicated and not complicated at the same time. Serve your soul. Then you don't have to, you're not going to be worrying about drugs and alcohol, man. Find that. Serve your soul. Find out what you really love. Find out why you're mad. Why you upset still. Who really got that power over you? Let go of the past. Really ask yourself, what can I be in 30 years? I don't even know what I'm becoming, but I know like, yo, by the time I'm 55, I want to really be a different person. Like, I want to really change the trajectory of my life within the next 10 years on purpose. I don't want to just be complacent and it be a possibility that I'm in the same place 10 years from now because I didn't think big enough and I didn't really like dig deep. And I was so focused on what I couldn't do that I couldn't see all the things that I could do. So sometimes you're in recovery and you're focusing on the, so much on the things that you can't have. I can't have my drug of choice. I'm in recovery. Life is boring versus the millions of things that you can have that do not in, count, count um, that do not count as your drug of choice. Right? Create a new thing of choice: love, romance prosperity uh, whatever it is man let's get up off this drug of choice shit so we don't always have to talk about this addiction stuff and we can stay on the vibe of sober now anyone out there that's in addiction and you're listening to this yo this all applies to your potential and what you could do like i literally was the one of the wildest people on the planet within my in my addiction so I know no matter where you are, if look, if I could do it, I'm like the perfect case of if I could do it, you could do it. Just because um, I was at the real height of that dirty cocktail of depression, grief, and loss, and addiction at the same time. Like it wasn't just I was addicted; I was pissed, I was angry, I had a vengeance, I I, I felt abandoned and betrayed. I, I just was I took everything, and it was like a personal attack on me, and I took zero accountability. Because if I took any accountability, I would have probably been like, dude, you got to All of that was your fault. <laughs> You're mad at every single person that did not let you do what you wanted to do when you was getting high. And they then they made decisions for you by removing themsel themselves from your life. And now you're upset with them. You're mad because they were courageous because people stopped tolerating your bullshit. You had no more ways you could manipulate. You couldn't do anymore. So now the world is bad and every everything is there for and they did this. Yeah, it starts from one person hurting you or one thing happening to you. And then it starts to grow to everyone is out to get me and everyone and everyone. And it's like, nah, I kind of just think it's you, though. Like, it all hit me when I was like, yo, it's you, Pop. Like, you're the person that decided to get up 365 days in a row and drink 24 hours a day. So when someone says on the 50th day, yo, I don't want to be around this. You're toxic. Well, I don't ever think I was toxic. I don't like that word. Toxic is intentional. I was just kind of like toxic maybe to myself but someone could say i don't want to be around you because you're too wild you're doing too much you're too uncontrollable i can't unpredictable and you're just drinking all day and you're a mess i'm like okay 
the world is out to get me you hate me and everybody's out to get me they're all reptilians and their fourth dimensional mind control and they're out here to take me out it was like nah you kind of just they just don't want to do the 56 day with you b take accountability that's all take accountability when people say take accountability i don't think you really we really go that deep with what that really means like you literally have to just take all the ownership for every dumb thing and every circumstance you're in and you cannot i don't care if you saw someone take something from you that caused your life to derail you still have to take accountability because you allow that person at some point to be in your life now you don't have to take accountability if someone tried to rape you or somebody assaulted you or did anything like that no if you're a victim of something that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about all the things that we did that we can control that we could have controlled and all the things that we allowed to happen because we was just gun ho on our drug of choice we have to be accountable it's the easiest way then you you sprinkle some forgiveness in there for yourself like real forgiveness too i could do another hour of this but i mean real forgiveness i'm not talking about the bullshit y'all forgive myself i mean like if you're still ruminating on things that you did when you was high and drunk and you're still not talking to certain people and you're caught up on them and you're still stuck in the past you gotta really practice some radical forgiveness man you have to start saying to yourself listen i can't sit here and um destroy myself anymore by thinking about things that happened that I may have done that may have happened to me that I couldn't control I gotta at some point exercise radical forgiveness for everything that I did in my life you could do that too by and you could remove the shame and guilt by just speaking about it to another person like sharing those secrets aloud with someone someone that can help you take ownership of all of that and just like really kind of radically just forgive yourself in your past and say i'm starting fresh like i literally like i have one person that i'm still trying to spiritually forgive but they didn't really do nothing that bad to me but it's how and the way they did what they're doing to everyone and because we all love this person it's just kind of really foul and it's like well they're just kind of like a pain in the ass for doing this and it's a reality and it's just simply a person removing themselves from the from life somebody saying i woke up today i don't want anything to do with anybody it's like almost losing your mind to someone you love how do you deal with that after a while you build resentments they're not here they should be helping they they you know but at some point you got to say you know what that's not what we can't become god and judge people for doing what they want to do all we have to do is remember that we were once in a place where we did what we wanted to do and it wasn't necessarily the best for us we just gotta pray for them but you gotta find ways to forgive deep when it's time to forgive deep all right so look i want to wrap this up i think 10 tips is gonna be a little too much but I don't know how you guys look at longer episodes. I'm just really excited to talk to you. So I'm going to wrap it up. This is important. Avoiding triggers. Now, you the only thing I want to say about this, because I know it's one of those cliches. I got to avoid triggers. I got to avoid triggers. But identify. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to avoid. You can't avoid something you don't identify. That's the problem. We keep saying, we, we should just say identify triggers, then talk about avoidance later. 
But when I hit you with the cliche, because it's, it's very easy to hear people from regurgitate stuff from programs and online. Yeah, you should avoid triggers. And it's like, yeah, but how? I don't even know what my triggers are until they happen and it's too late. So you have to go out your way and say, yo, what's my triggers, right? Like, is it wh wh what people in my life that I get around that I'm so uncomfortable that I want to have a drink that's so toxic where they could be toxic and I just don't feel well, right? I how do I, like, let me identify those people. Let me identify places and let me identify the emotional, emotional traumas and um, triggers things that happen to me trauma responses or ptsd aspects um let me identify my what if i'm depressed let me try to go at least get diagnosed to some degree where i know well look i i have this kind of thing right i know my things hopefully you know your everyone has a thing there's no one on the planet that doesn't have a thing Everyone has a thing. If you go to talk to anyone, they're gonna tell you you have something. You're dealing with mild signs of depression, or you have seasonal affective this and da 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 da. da. We all have a thing. The D the DSM five was created to categorize every type of range of a human kind of like mental health spectrum esque type things, right? So trust me, they know if you exist, you have a thing. But actually being able to identify that thing identify all of these things so you can what avoid them so identify 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 people places things cravings anything that could get you know that master that avoid it i have a laundry and though you gotta understand i'm a hip-hop artist in addition to many other things and like i literally gonna have to i have to do shows sometime where it's gonna i i'm not doing them now but i'm anticipating like the next stage of my it's gonna be my the next stage is gonna be traveling. I'm at the motivational speech, traveling the world, sharing my story, pushing the agenda of soap is dope, going on stage, performing, rapping at clubs and places. So I'm either gonna be forced to buy my and create my own environments or I have to be able to go into these environments as a sober person and say, these are triggers maybe, but I have to identify them, know how to avoid them or master them because I have to do this. So I could go to a place and say, well, these people could be drinking and popping bottles over here, but I don't drink. So it's not I'm not letting that affect me. That's 11 years in. I still haven't put myself in that environment yet. You understand? I'm, I'm still avoiding my triggers. But I'm at a space now where I could grow. I grew and I could say to myself, well, now I perfected the live and let live aspect of what we should be allowing the world. The world has to move on because pop you can in the sober. It does not mean that the whole world has to be sober. It doesn't mean that people that are not sober are bad. And it does not mean that people who don't who drink are bad. It doesn't mean those things. Right. So I should be able to identify my trigger, avoid them, then get to a point where I could outgrow them and live and as a normal person without any other person's environment affecting my recovery. But I still have to be careful, you know? I can't be at the bar pouring people bottles and buying people drinks. That's not, that's different. You see, you see where the slippery slope comes in? I could be in the environment, but I don't, I'm not gonna participate. 
Now there's no world where I'm sober and I'm a bartender. Yay, I grew. Yeah, full year, right. Let's see how long that lasts, right? Anyway, so let's keep moving. Educate yourself, learn about your addiction recovery and the tools available for you. That's what the Sober's Dope Podcast is for. So let's keep it pushing. Practice mindfulness. People always say this mindfulness thing. And the reason why I wrote this is like, I want to say this, like, Mindfulness for me is like literally a 24-7 thing. Like I'm really always trying to keep whatever I that 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 real thing in the front. Like mindful. Like it's my recovery is in the front. Like I'm always on it. Like I then it's like my goals. And it's like, no, first my dreams, those things that make me a lot feel alive, right? Like keep those in the front. Be mindful of your yeses and your excitements and your those things that make you feel human and alive. Those things that centered in like the real reason why we're here. Find that mindfulness. You know, there's looking at the sun. No, you're not the sun. Looking at trees and adult coloring books and focusing on one thing. Gotta meditate. I'm talking about. Be mindful of what you love, what you want, what you're, what you want to be, what you're not, what you, what you aspire to be, like what makes you feel alive. Know that, ponder it, think about it, keep it in the front. So when the idea of a drug or something comes in, you like get out of here, man. Like I'm like I got too much momentum to get stuck with your ass. Move, you know. One of my favorite things in the Bible was when, um, and this is totally left field, but bear with me, uh, you know, but this is part of the Bible where Jesus is like, literally like they're, they're, he's facing the reality that he's going to have, you know, he's most likely going to, he's going to be captured and crucified by Pontius Pilate and all of that. And one of the apostles be like, you know, you could kind of like, we could just leave now and you kind of like avoid this. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. It's like, he totally shut that dude down. Like get behind me. He ain't even mentioned the person's name. He, that's one of the biggest, he said through that per the devil came, the Satan came through that person to tell Jesus some left field shit that was not going to happen so he said get behind me say quick quick that's what we need to do when someone comes to us with some craziness like yo no when that thought comes in for that drink get behind me say it when that thought comes in for that drug get behind me say i'm not doing that today you're not gonna have me on all fours doing god knows what to who and where and why and all messed up and no buddy you're not you're not taking me out of my cleanliness and freshness to be get to get dirty with your dumb shit get out of here no get behind me i'm not so keep your dreams in the front be mindful and that's really a powerful thing all right we're wrapping up sober dope. let's go Last but not least, celebrate your milestones. Like you hear me do it all the time. I'm like, yo, I'm 11 years sober. I'm posting online. I'm going to get cake. I'm celebrating. I'm dropped the book. I'm celebrating. I'm did another. I'm gonna celebrate doing this episode. This is a big deal for me. Like I literally been working all week. I I came home. I said, yo, I, got, I can't wait to do a podcast. I want to spend time with you guys, right? And and I I didn't want to be like I didn't want this podcast to be me just coming on feeling like I just running off like you might have to listen to this podcast for a couple days but this is you chilling with me like I really want you to get into it because 
one I got I got I put it to you like this a person reached out to me online and said yo I listened to one of your episodes and it was crazy like he was like yo how he put it I understood it he was like I was in a dark moment and you explained exactly you went so deep in how much I need to avoid or to remember the darkness and avoid it and you really just made it like you gave me the reality so clear that I just got through that day like I got it and that's when it hit me like you can't get it unless you're in it for a while when you get the nuances and the deep stuff because when you're about to relapse or even if you relapse or if you, even if you depressed or you something happens parts of our brain shut down it's the deep stuff that lingers like i remember if i don't remember anything i remember when pop described this story or i remember this and you never know what sticks and saves your ass it'd be days where i listen to you guys too there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have podcasts there's doctors like um one of my um favorite doctor um sarah Micho. she's like you know she wrote the book called crazy i know she listens i love her it's like i love her i know how deep it is so i need you guys sometimes you might hear me say something so all i'm saying is look celebrate your milestones big yourself up all right next thing stay active we always talk about that but like just try to really use again use your recovery as the bedrock Used to get in shape, man. We're not getting holiday. We're not smoking cigarettes. Well, look, most of us probably are. I'm not knocking cigarettes now. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, many of us really need to get out there and exercise. Like, really get those. It's just too much. It's too much science now. Um, even me. The, 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 the problem with exercise for me is I just literally have a problem adjusting through the seasons. And I know I'm making excuses and I'm full of shit here, but follow me for a minute. I'm just being honest, right? Sometimes I, I, I'm like a really half time. I really become a bodybuilder like half of the year. And then the other half of the year, I just kind of just coast. Like, because the, I had, we had these crazy winters in New York and I'm not a winter guy. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it all. I'm so done with winters, man. I'm talking about 44 years of winters, man. It wears on your bones, man. I'm tired of it, man. I done went to Florida to visit my little brother, and I thought these guys was, like, playing a practical joke. I'm like, there's no way y'all live like this all the time. Like, why does anyone live anywhere else? Like, what the hell's going on? I couldn't believe it when I went to Florida. I was like, yo, you can't, this can't be a normal Tuesday. It felt like vacation every day. I'm like, yo. People just live random, like in different places. And like, like, why am I here? Like, I guess my parents decided to, most people settle in New York and I'm kind of glad they did because I met some good friends. But I'm like, yo, dude, we could pick a better environment. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but you stay, I said all of that to say, like, I'm really excited during the summers and the springs. Like, I totally come alive and I work out. I stay active. That carries me for the next part of the year. Yo, find your season, find your why, but yo, get in there, exercise, lift weights, run, do step, high intensity intervals. Like, I guarantee March is coming. Ah, uh, between March and September, I go hard. 
So when I say I kind of just chill for the winter, it's kind of like from October. No, I still go hard in October. It's like November. It starts Thanksgiving to kind of like February. That's like, you know, November to February, I kind of be chilling. Like it's wintertime. I'm not trying to be in the freezing cold running and I'm not trying to waste too much energy because it's freezing. And I'm, you know, people getting sick and it's terrible, but get it in, stay active. Like find it, you know, you go hard for yourself. Get that body, get that six pack, man. My girl told me she likes Shaquan Barkley's arms. So I started building my arm. Like I'm gonna get some dope arms too. And I got my arms up, you know, like have fun with it, man. Like, like puff, oh no, I'm not mentioning that, but just like, you know, just have fun with it. Anyway, so listen to the Sober is Dope podcast by Pop Buchanan. Yes, that's one of the other things you can do. Um, the reason why I said that is two things. I want you guys to have these three tools. I have the Sober is Dope co coaching I'm opening up. Um, now, the reason why I did Sober is Dope coaching is I can't just keep up with every, like there's so many people who hit me up and I be feeling like, yo, I'm starting to miss like, um, messages and stuff like sometimes it'll be like 75 messages and i'm like yo i missed two or three of them like how did i miss that and it'll be something serious like hey could i just talk to you right now i'm in a dark place so i said i have to have something because what happens is a person will message me and then they'll try to find my email then they'll send an email so i'm like yo i really want a situation where if somebody really wants a one-on-one -on -one with pop and they really wanted it like we you could you could book a time for me and we could you know spend 30 minutes to an hour together and we could really kind of just deep dive into you right your thing and you know sometimes it's just maybe talking i call people i have people that i speak to when i'm down and i need a readjustment and i kind of like get wary but i'm always here to do that for y'all so we have that then you have the podcast. But I saw why I say listen to the podcast because if you go back to episode one to now, we have over three hundred and sixty episodes. But it, there's a bunch of themes in there that'll get you going, ways to motivate you. It's a lot of stuff I put into the podcast for those dark days, right? It's not always when we feel well. Trust me. How to use sober is dope is when you're really having a bad day and you're forgetting your why, just throw the podcast on. It's going to be something to bring you back, all right? Because this is what I wish I had. I needed this when I was messed up. I swear I wish I had this when I was messed up, man. If somebody was playing sober is dope when I was drinking and down and I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me it's some dude from from New York that was drinking and lost all of his stuff and then got sober and now he's rapping and he's doing like, yo, it's possible. Like, yo, somebody can really get like, that's a thing. Like, yo, let's get it. That's a thing. It's a possibility. I didn't have it. We didn't really. It wasn't trend. It was nobody. Podcast. It was like probably people podcast. Even podcast. It wasn't big back then. So it was kind of like. A family member might say to another family member, because we're church people, hey, you might have to go to those meetings they have at the church. But at that time, it was no one around that was involved in meetings. So we just didn't know. So that's why I started this. This is what I'm saying. I want you guys. This is like when you're dark. Hit the podcast. The other thing we have is the book. Sober is the old book is again. It has way more. It has a lot of stuff. It has. The affirmations are really good. Um, I meant to tell you guys, I do. Wait, oh, damn, I don't have the book right in front of me. This, if you look at Pop Tools of Transformation, the top 100 tools, if you get to the 100th or the 99th tool, 
it wraps up every single thing that you need to be doing on your sober cycle to stay sober and everything someone should be thinking about doing if they're in addiction it was so it was so i remember now when i was writing it i said i have to make one of the tools everything someone may need to do in recovery so like i know no matter what if there's nothing in that book that could resonate with a human being within the affirmations alone are all of these little instructions on how you could think about yourself speak about yourself talk to yourself how to reverse positive mental self positive mental self-talk and all of these things it's there it's built into it and um you really can't go wrong when it's like enough tools and different things and different varieties that can help you right now i know some people might be like look i just want something that doesn't have the whole religious overtone or the prayers and now hey yo look i don't know how yo, i've been like where i've been i shit i told you guys i damn near had a god complex i thought i was god i thought i was the i had to be reduced to a point where i realized yo simply like that dark side that that promise that addiction gives you man that thing at the end of that thing is something that's like yeah that shit needs some sacred prayers man so the reason why i did that was i got with my brother that's a uh he he's a retired roman catholic priest and now he's just retired but he used to be do exorcists and he used to be known for what they call spiritual warfare and he used to do all of these things and i'm telling you man this guy tells me yo these things are real out here and addiction is one of these things. They wouldn't have mentioned it in the Bible. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walketh around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you guys might say, yo, all right, whatever, whatever. But why would that be in the Bible, even if you didn't believe in it? And, you know, it's all this supernatural, crazy stuff happening on the planet. Why would why? What what other word could have been used there besides sober? Like, why? Why did and you got to think about it? This is translated from the Hebrew, right? So there was a translation from Hebrew, Latin, Greek and all of these different translations. And it still winds up as sober. And I was the biggest spiritual person. My brother was a priest and I do not understand for the life of me why I never made a connection with first Peter and my addiction. Like I never noticed that till like deep into sober is dope. One day I was sitting somewhere and I'm like, yo, this isn't a Bible. Like I've been reading this my whole, how did I miss first Peter five, eight? But it's like one of those chapters where people probably read it. Like it's not like Genesis or whatever, you know, like Noah's Ark is first Peter. It's in the new Testament. But the thing is, it's like, yo, this guy said, God said in this Bible through these prophets, be sober, be vigilant, man. Like, Case in point, I have to talk about this from a spiritual perspective in the book. And the main reason is because I was literally on the ground crying, praying to God. Like, I just was like, I'm done. I need help. I'm done. And I'm so fried that if there's any remote chance that anyone is out there, God, angels, Jesus, anyone, my aunt, my grandma, grandpa, I don't want to be, I'm captured. The devil has me. Is it any, like if it's a Hail Mary, if any mercy, could you guys please help me? It was that bad where I was like, yo, I'm going to die this week if I don't change radically.
I'm still on borrowed time, y'all. Like literally sobriety gave me borrowed time because I was already so damaged that I don't even know how I survived. Like I'm just, I'm super healthy now too. My, my whole, I, I rebuild my whole body from a cellular level up. My brain, I'm at optimal shape. And I'm talking about I was drinking hard for like at least five years, man. And it was all around depression and bullshit. I was young. I had an ego. I, you know, I was just moving too fast, taking care of too many people, trying to be what something that I wasn't ready for. And I and I will not and I'm not ashamed of that kid. I have a lot of mercy on younger pop, you know? I know sometime I talk about this guy and I'm like, yo, man, he's younger than you, though. You talking about him like he was the devil himself. And I wasn't a bad guy. It's just what I'm really focusing on was the actual drug of choice, which was alcohol. That's the bad guy. And I had to take accountability on how I just ignored the signs for so long to my own detriment, but also to the detriment of those that love me because it hurts seeing someone you love hurt themselves. That's why the next phase of Sober is Dope is to address the issue of addiction from the point of view of the families. Because there's a lot of families out there that has to live with us when we going through the motions and they struggle and it's tough, you know? Um, but listen, I'm rapping here. This is Sober is Dope. You listen to Pop Buchanan. This is probably one of the deepest episodes and the longest episodes I ever did. I have no regrets. I'm sharing all of me with you guys. And that's it, man. Like y'all take it or leave it. I won't I won't use what you tell me against you. Don't use what I tell you against me. You know, I'm just doing this because I woke up one day and said, listen, I want to go on the internet and tell people all my business. <laughs> but I really did it because it was kind of like, look, if I don't if I don't share that I'm not I'm I, I'm not giving back, man. I was put on this planet to do something. And I know I could imagine what 44 years ago before I was born. If I came here, maybe I said, yo, the planet is going to have a lot of people that deals with this dark thing. And maybe I could go and help. And we all manifest as adults in ways that we come here and we have a reason to help or do something for life and humanity. So let's leave it here. If at bare minimum, when you're studying mindfulness and you're thinking about your why and you're keeping your mission and everything in the front, like I said, maybe what's easier is instead of thinking about your drug of choice and letting that pull you, why don't you just think about why are you, why were you born and what talents and what do you have to offer? Like, why would either a godlike entity send you here? Why would you be born into this dimension in this world in this time and place? And what's the whole purpose and nature of your existence? And then I don't care if it's like I was born to teach, man. I'm just a teacher, which is a big deal. I'm a janitor. I was born to clean and help people and give the kids wisdom or wherever I'm at. Whatever it is, I'm a doctor. If I'm not even, I'm a baker. I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a cobbler, whatever. I help people with their shoes. Jesus was a carpenter. He was very humble, right? Figure out what you were put here to do and just give. Just give. 
right? And and then eventually, if you could find a way to survive and to persevere in the process of giving, then do that. But just try to find your why, man, because you need to find what's going to pull you more than the drug of choice and even the memory of your drug of choice, right? And you know, last but not least, what pulls me the most are you guys. Like, literally, man, like I'd be sitting there minding my business, working on something non-sober, dope-related, and I'd be looking at the time, I'd be thinking about you guys, and I'm like, there's someone out there right now that needs to hear something, man. And there's someone out there right now that's struggling. Or maybe me doing an episode will push the algorithm to send the episode to someone who needs it that doesn't even know we're on the radar. Right? There's times when people tell me I was just on the internet and I just saw something that came across. Like I saw Robert Downey talking about something that saw soap is dope. I clicked on it, found your podcast, and then now I'm here and you said you helped me and you see how that works. So Find your why, stay sober. These are multiple tips on how to fight that. I can't, I need to have a drink. I'm thinking about having a drink. I miss having a drink. I miss my drug of choice. I miss doing this. I miss that lifestyle. You start romanticizing the bullshit. This episode is like, yo, how to refocus and recommit yourself and just say, look, despite these things happening, I have all of these tools to bring me back into my alignment, find my motivation, and how do we extend that pink cloud for years to come, right? Because one thing recovery is not is boring, and that's why we say soap is dope. Pop Buchanan, soap is dope, over and out. Peace and love, guys. I'll catch you on the other side.